Rob, was it? Hi. Hi. Do you understand Norwegian? Yeah. No. Do we have anyone? Is it alright? Go ahead, speak in Norwegian. Well, I can't either. <laughs> I speak Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have anyone that could translate, maybe? No, it's okay. Okay, great. Well, very welcome. My name is Jonas, I'm an alcoholic. I'll do this half in English and half in Swedish, maybe. Um, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Ardnor, for asking me in such a short notice. Uh, I uh, will try to make justice to Torbjorn, who is going to be here uh, this night, but I'm not sure if I can reach his standards. Uh, I'm very grateful for AA uh, and for this group in particular. Uh, this is my home group uh, and has been my home group uh, for almost as long as I have been sober. My sobriety date is November 22nd, 2004. So with God's will and your help, I'll be 10 years in not so long. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I was uh, having uh, dinner at a uh, very dear friend of mine's uh, when I got the call from uh, 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 Ardnor. I helped her to change the tires on the car, so I got a dinner back. And uh, I was at hers uh, having dinner when I, uh, Adnor called, and she has a daughter, five, six years old, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. I asked Adnor, do you have a theme for me tonight? And he said, oh, you can talk about anything. So I asked this little girl, six years old, if you were going to talk in front of people, what were you going to talk about? She goes, I'll talk about how it is to eat sweets. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then I got interested, so I said, hold that thought, I'll just get a pen and paper, and I, I'll, you know. What does sweet make you? Sweet, how, how do you react to sweets? And she says, I get just this perfect crazy... I spreller runt på gulvet. I'm standing on my head in the sofa. Maybe I break a window and jump jump out. And uh, uh, I go, you know, doing kullebutter, uh, somersaults. Yeah, I was like, okay, good. I can I can relate to that. And how does it feel when you had the sweets? And then she says. Oh, then I feel I need to be a little bit on my own and I'm very thirsty. I'm dry, <laughs> I'm dry in my mouth. <laughs> I was like, okay, I could relate to that. Uh, so, um, sweets, alcohol, uh, blah, blah. It's, uh, uh, maybe it's not. So I, I, I got my start there. And uh, also, I want to congratulate uh, someone with uh, six months. Very nice. And a special congratulations to you, Tarje, 
been a privilege to know you all these years uh, very much um, so where to start how it was what happened and how it is today uh, as you know I grew up in a pretty normal crazy home my father was an alcoholic my mother was 120% uh, codependent and uh, I was there somewhere in the middle and I remember uh, when I uh, was four I decided that uh, I will not be able to trust other people something in me said uh, it wasn't their fault it was just me my way to react I said I fucking had it with this shit I'm gonna solve my own problems uh, and I solved it by being aggressive, feeling a hole in my stomach, hole in my heart. Uh, I peed in my bed till I was seven. I always got in a fight. I had this, you know, uh, special clip coat for uh, young uh, psychological, uh, you know, I had to sit in this cage playing with toys and be watched by psychologists or psychiatrists. and. They didn't see a major problem in me, and, you know, I had some friends and everything. Um, so, I had my first drink. I started late, I think. Nine years old. Uh, didn't, didn't really do it for me. But then when I was 14, I uh, started drinking. I got my first really drunk, and then I was drunk once a week until I was 16 and from there I was one uh, drunk twice a week and when I was 16 and a half I tried drugs for the first time uh, and um, it didn't really do it for me like ah it was more of a friend thing but then when I I don't know when I kind of when alcohol became this instant relief I don't know when that happened uh, but I know when it happened when I felt that I needed to be alone a little while and I, I was dry in my mouth. That was about 17 years old. And then from there on, I started uh, drinking more and more. I was pretty good at school. I had friends all over, many girlfriends, not as in girlfriends, but friends that were girls. Uh, and uh, I hang out with the cool guys, I hang out with the geeks, I was in the middle in school, did military service, did very well, did special forces, became an officer, and everything, I had everything working for me. I, you know, I graduated from university, came in, worked in the financial business in Stockholm, I had a couple of years in the States, and I had everything working for me. But then partying started taking over, more and more. I had this constant, constant dissatisfaction going around all over. Ah, the, the, the longing for more. What I know now, what I didn't know then, it was a, a thirst, a spiritual thirst. It was not a thirst for alcohol in particular. It was the thirst for being a whole person, being something 
that belonged to, being a part of, instead of being departed or off-parted of, whatever. So, how it really ended, I'm sure you've heard this story before. I lost my job, I lost my car, I lost my apartment, I lost everything, and I lost my girlfriend, and uh, I was totally devastated. I didn't know where to go. Uh, I thought I was in love, but it showed that I was really not in love. I was just afraid of being alone. So, uh, this was summer of 2004, so I googled retreat. I found this yoga retreat. And I thought, okay, that's going to solve all my problems. So I went to this hardcore yoga retreat with Swami Yanakananda in Småland. And I came straight out, out, of, a, out of a wedding. And uh, it was... Uh, it was... I'll tell you, it was a new experience. I came there in a suit to this yoga retreat. I parked my car that I borrowed on the <coughs> in front of the, the house. And I honked two times. I wanted to make a great, great entrance. Out comes this guy in orange clothes. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. So I parked my car and they stripped me of everything except for some clothes. Uh, and, you know, two weeks later, Tarm, Sjöljud, Tystnad, or everything, I came out, and I came in there searching for a new light, and I came out with a new light in my eyes. I totally detoxed and totally knew, and I knew how to yoga, and I knew how to meditate, and levitate, and, you know, be close to whatever you're supposed to be close to. And I had this light for about five minutes after release. But during those five minutes, I managed to... Uh, 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 I managed to uh, come up with some pretty crazy things. I was so much obsessed by this girl that I lived with in Stockholm who now had moved to Norway... Uh, because she was from here, she moved back, and I called her every day, and blah, 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 and then I came out from there, and I s called her up, and I said, you know what, if you show, if, if you watch this TV show now, I promise I will never call you again. She said, is this short? Is this a promise? It is a promise. She said, sweet deal, and hung up on me. And I was warming my way into this TV show and I had this huge sign with me and I was standing there like this and this is broadcasted in Norway, in Sweden, in Denmark, in Finland and I was standing there like this and there's 20,000 people there and everybody around me is like, oh, poor bastard <laughs> <laughs> and on this sign it said her name and it said, please come back, I miss you so I was totally doing it for making a fool out of myself. But you know how, how obsession of the mind works. You do whatever you can to get out of this uh, empty longing whatever. You do whatever you can. And I thought she was my solution. 
And just before that, I thought the yoga retreat was my solution. And I'd been thinking that alcohol had been my solution all the time. And she thought it was very romantic. So, uh, and I kept my promise. I didn't call her back, but she called me. And she said, hey, you want to come over to Norway and say hello? So I got invited to Norway. And I was like, <laughs> made it. I'm very good at manipulating people, even still. So I managed to manipulate her, inviting me back to Norway. And I came back here, and we had a very good time for about 90 minutes. Mm. And then for the rest of the weekend, both she and I knew why she moved back to Norway, and I was in Stockholm. So I went back to Stockholm, and I continued my partying. Uh... And uh, I parted pretty, pretty good. And after a three-day long party on my own <laughs> in my apartment with no furniture in it, uh, I had, you know, uh, I had had it. I thought I was going to shoot myself in the head, and I had my rifle still. And during this time, I've been convicted to jail, and I've been, you know, everything just went down the drain. And uh, I, I had this kind of, uh, what you call it, the criminology, the criminal, uh, they make a small psychological profile on you if I was able to keep my guns and keep my, my hunting rifles and keep my driving license and everything. And these two, socionormer, I think it's called, I was like, yeah, sure. And they said, this guy doesn't have a problem. I was able to keep my driving license and my guns. So I was sitting there, I was loading my gun and I, uh, my rifle, and I was going to shoot myself in the head. And I was like, uh -huh. this is going to hurt. <laughs> uh, and I didn't have enough friends to come to my funeral. I, you know... It, I knew it was going to be messy. So what I do, I call my dad. And I said, Dad, I fucked up. And he'd been sober for first 14 years, and then he relapsed, and then, you know, came back, and he's been sober. Uh, so he's old in the game. And he said to me, Son, over the phone, over the phone, Son, that's a final solution to a temporary problem. Drink a bottle of gin and go to sleep. I was like, okay. So we hang up and I drank what I had and went back to sleep. Or went back, I went to sleep. The day after, we kind of agreed that I needed treatment. So I went into treatment. And I was in treatment for 10 days. So I've been in treatment for 10 days. And I've been sober for 10 days. And I've been, you know... And then I get a call from Norway. Saying, are you sitting down? Yes, I am. Good. Because you're going to be a father. I was like... And my first reaction to that was not, oh, great, I'm really looking forward to this. 
how 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 wonderful my reaction to that was how can you do this to me do you know what kind of situation i'm in yeah i know you know what she said then i don't want you to be a part of it i was like what i you know and I uh, 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 talked to my uh, sponsor about it, and he said, "Well, you've been a part of it. It's you know, you've been there, you've been doing this, and now you, if you want to be a part of it, you better work on it." I was like, "Okay." So I was going to go here, and uh, I was going to go here, and so I had 28 days sober. I went, picked up my dog that I had, and I left it in Stockholm, and then I drove over here, and uh, I was going to make things right she's like I'm sorry I got a new boyfriend you know how anxiety feels you know you know the real deal anxiety when you cannot breathe really when things really really aren't that good in your life you're sober, you have a family, you have, uh, you know, uh, you have people that love you, you have food, you're invited to a New Year's, sober New Year's Eve party, but nothing is good. You know that kind of anxiety? And I thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to go to a meeting. And I went to this, I was going to go to this AA meeting that was on Grinnelöka. It was between Christmas and New Year's, but, you know. Alcohol, alcoholism apparently takes vacation during Christmas, so it was closed. And then it really hit me. And I was walking down this street on Grunelöcke. I can't remember what it's called. Never. And the lights were going like this. It was like, you know, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I was like, <laughs> and I called my sponsor. I had a sponsor, and he said, uh, and I said to him, you know what, fuck this, I'm not doing it, I'm going to go and have a glass of wine. And he said, you know what, is there a church nearby? I was like, ah, I don't know. If you find one, see if it's open. And I found one, it was open, I went down in it, and I sat down on the third row, and I was crying. I was crying, and I begged, I, I prayed for two things, willingness and uh, and uh, uh, tillit, trust, willingness and trust, that was the only thing I begged on, or prayed for and I was sitting there crying and they were packing it up, packing it up after, after this uh, uh, concert and this you know, this little lady comes up to me like this she's like Hey, I can see you're hurting. I'm like, yeah. And uh, what's up? And in 45 seconds, I managed to give her my life story. Today I have, what, 45 minutes, and I'm not going to be able to. Anyway, and she said, I get it. I get it. Is it okay if I pray for you? I said, I, I, I was in no position to say no. And I said, yes. And she prayed. 
for me, for that unborn child, and for my ex. She wished us well and happiness and joy. And she left and she says, I think this is going to be all right. And I walked out of there with an ounce more of integrity, ounce more of feeling okay. <coughs> and then I called my sponsor again, and he said, Now, Jonas, man up. Tell this woman that you're going home to Stockholm, come home, celebrate New Year's Eve with us. And that I did. Today, me and my ex are living 150 yards apart. I have my daughter 50% of the time. And we have a wonderful relationship, the three of us. She was right, that old woman. But then again, I think it was Ardnar who said it. God does not work here. I do. I work here, you do, but God does not work here. I don't know if it was you, but someone. So I have to do the work all the time. It's not, it's not like I can sit on my ass and hoping for the steps coming in into my body like through osmosis. And I'm like, Ooh, great, I'm sober and it's fun and I'm great and I'm doing service and I'm having sponsees and <laughs> ah, ooh, exactly like the court just put the plug in the jug and then you're <coughs> done with it it's not like that not at all I need to do this all the time <coughs> every day of my life but I love it Ah, uh, that's a lie. <laughs> I don't. Not every day. Um, like yesterday, I was on the phone with a with a friend. And she was like, "So what are you doing?" Well, I was just out shopping some breakfast. It's like, what the? F I, I'm not shopping for breakfast. I have a bag of chips and some cokes in the bag. I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat chips. I'm, uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm buying chips and Coke because I'm going to go home and sit down and watch a video. She's like, okay. <laughs> uh, she doesn't have that automatic lie in her. She's like, well, what did you say you were shopping for breakfast? And then I had to say, well, I, I felt embarrassed not to <laughs> have any breakfast at home. <laughs> like, very, very, uh, very special. And then I moved to Norway anyway, and I did the steps with a hardcore sponsor. And I am the kind of person that uh, I cannot be patted on the back saying that this is going to be all right. You're going to be fine. Come back next week. I'm not at all. I've been to one meeting. Oh, I've been to, I think I've been crying at three meetings in my life. Uh, and one of those meetings were in the beginning. And I was, oh, I was getting all this attention from all the girls at the meeting. It was like, oh, 
<laughs> Let's cry some more. <laughs> giving me napkins and, you know, it's going to be all right. And then this idiot comes up. <laughs> and he just pats me on the back. And he goes, <coughs> Dude, it'd be better when you stop self-loathing. Happy New Year. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But he was right. I remember this other thing. I was at this meeting and I wasn't sober yet. And I, I came to this meeting and I, I talked my shit. I used the meeting as a waste bin. And I was just like, it's his fault. It's has her fault and every blah, blah, blah. It's the police, blah, 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 blah. And then this uh, a woman comes up to me and she says, you know, Jonas, we're not very interested in about her hearing your shit. Until you want what we have, don't come back here. Don't waste our time. I was like, uh-huh. Ain't this for everybody? I got the right to be here. Yeah, but then follow the rules. Do what we do. It's a monkey see, monkey do business. It's just... The trick is to choose the right monkey. If you choose the right monkey, you'll be alright. If you do what the right monkey does... You'll do just fine. And then I have this other thing. I, 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 I called my sponsor up. I had two years of sobriety. And uh, I said to him, and he was in a meeting, and I said to him, uh, on the, you need to call me now. Call me now. Bye. And he, you know, listen, he called me up, and I... <coughs> Gave in my problem. And he said, which was no problem at all, of course. And he said, Jonas, you have two years of sobriety and I have my own life to run. Please don't bother we, me with this again. Goodbye. I was like, oh, you don't really understand. I don't think you've been in this deep shit that I have been. But he understood precisely what he was doing. He knew exactly. He was, he was teaching me how to live. So then I called another friend in the fellowship because I needed to debrief about what kind of an asshole my sponsor is. And uh, I was having lunch with him and I was talking, uh, I badmouthed my sponsor. And after having done that for a while, he said, Jonas, I find this very interesting. I hear very much about your sponsor and very little about you. And the most interesting thing is that you badmouth a guy in a fellowship that saved your life. And that was two things in one day. I was like, oh no. I want to really, do, I need, do I really need this? I don't know. And I moved here to Norway, and then uh, uh, I was blessed to be sober and have my sponsor and have my friends and everything. And I, uh, I uh, found this group to become my home group, uh, and I was lucky to be uh, 
here from the beginning and sometimes it was only me and sometimes we were three people and sometimes we were five and if we were over ten we were like is this really happening if we were this many in the beginning it was like oh no this is not happening this was huge for a speaker's evening today it's like what 25 people it's just pretty normal and it's been a it's been a great uh, great journey in sobriety for me uh, I uh, I think what has kept me sober is that I f still feel like a newcomer I uh, I still feel like I don't know anything when I talk to Elling sometimes and I see what he's done in his life I'm like Ooh, where am I? When I speak to Agnor or people with just, you know, two months sobriety, they got more wisdom than I ever will have. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and for me, it's, it's very important to really remember my first step. Because without it, nothing else matters. Nothing else can be achieved if not really, really accepting the first step. That is what I think. And then I also am very... What, what, what's the time? Mm, Twelve past. Tack. Two minutes. Two minutes more, maybe. Okay. And what I really, really, really want to stress is the principle of anonymity. It's not just that we come here and we're anonymous. It's the principle of becoming anonymous towards my own feelings and my own fears. Am I going to let my own fears decide if I will let somebody come in here who doesn't have a sponsor, am, am I going to let my own fear of rejection stopping me from approaching him or her and saying, hey, do you need help? Principles before personalities. That's what anonymity for me is. That we really dare stand up for our principles. That we say that what we see and feel instead of saying what we think is right. Uh, I, I have many times messed up doing sobriety and I still do and I'm in the middle of a big mess up right now. Uh, I'm not proud about it or over it but you know, it is what it is. It will end in a crash, but I'm used to it. I crash every third year, so this will be... It's, three years is approaching, so I'm going to crash again. But I, I, I think I learned this much every crash, and then I go back to my therapist and, you know, intense my AA, blah, blah. But still, principles before personalities is so important within AA for me. It's the language of the heart. 
It's not the language of the mind. And I love this, and I hope you love this. And if I love it, I want to keep it. And if I want to keep it, I need to be honest with it. And to be honest with it means taking actions. And something might be wrong. And I hope that you take actions when you see that I'm wrong. Or anyone else. Um, yeah, I could go, go along about what alcoholism is and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure there will be many speakers talking about that later on. And I'll, uh, I'm very happy for this opportunity to be here at my home group speaking. And uh, I don't know what you think about me and I don't care. But I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.